This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins Rama Bible Training Center, Nigeria. I trust we had a great afternoon. Praise the Lord. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians to our prayers. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, and then from verse 16. Ephesians chapter 1, from verse 16. Are we there? Good. So we'll just pray for ourselves. 1, 2. I cease not to give thanks for me, making mention of me in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of my understanding being enlightened, that I may know what is hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints is the exceeding greatness of his power towards word who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church body the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Let's go to chapter 3. Chapter 3. From verse 14 through to 21. 1, 2. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he will grant me, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might, by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in my heart by faith, that I, being rooted and grounded in love, be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that I might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I could ask or think, according to the power that works in me. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. Like we started off yesterday with these prayers that Paul prayed. They are prayers of supplication. And notice that he said, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So he prayed those prayers repeatedly and prayed them repeatedly and pray prayed them repeatedly for those saints in Ephesus. And if they were good enough for them, they are good enough for us too. Praise God. They are spirit-inspired prayers. Amen. And God's word never loses its inspiration. And you notice the prayer has to do with the eyes of our spirits being enlightened. The prayers have to do with God giving us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. 
Because we need to see these things in our inner man. We need to grasp a hold of these truths on the inside of us. Praise God. And it's, I'll encourage us, just pray those prayers again and again and again and again and again and again. It won't work if you are sleep short about it, but stay with it. Stay with it over and over every day, over and over every week, week in, week out, day in, day out, month in, month out. Just stay with it. And as you're praying it, spend time studying God's word. And I'll tell you what will happen. The Holy Ghost will open up God's word to our spirits. Praise the Lord. Then um, we um, then sought out to answer the question, what is authority? What is authority? This believer's authority class. We said that authority is delegated power. Remember Luke 10, 19. Jesus said, behold, I give unto you power. That first word power there is exousia. So a better rendering is, behold, I give unto you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power, the dunamis, the ability of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen. We said this also that authority is delegated power. Authority is delegated power. The value of that authority depends on the force that is back of the user. Now, who is the person that gave us authority? Jesus is the one. And who is Jesus? Is the second person of the Godhead. Amen. Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. So, God is the one who gave us the authority. So, God is the force that backs us, the user of that authority. God stands back of our authority, amen. And it's delegated power. Now, God made his man Adam in the beginning, gave him dominion over all the works of his hands. Adam committed high treason and sold out to the devil. And then Satan took a hold of the dominion that originally was man's and then began his tyrannical reign. But blessed be God. 1 Corinthians 15, 45 talks about the last Adam. 47 talks about, calls him the second Adam, who's the Lord Jesus Christ, who met the devil in the devil's domain. He whipped him and brought him to naught. He stripped him of that authority. And he arose from the dead, Matthew 28, 18. And he said, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then he turned around and delegated that authority to the church. In verse 19, he said, go, therefore. And um, Mark's rendition of that incident, in Mark 16, 17, Mark said, in my name, the believing ones will cast out devils. If you can cast out one devil, you can cast out all devils. If you can cast out all devils, you can cast out, cast out the chief devil himself. That means that we have authority over the devil. We have authority over the devil. Every believer, the weakest member of the body of Christ, has authority over the devil. Authority is not felt, it is exercised. Amen. Whether you feel like it, you don't feel like it. You see, as long as that policeman is wearing that uniform and um, everything is in place, whether he woke up on the right side of the bed, the wrong side of the bed, his wife was, um, didn't greet him that morning, it doesn't matter. As long as he holds up his hand, the traffic is going to stop. That's authority. You see, we've got authority over the devil. There's no truth the devil fights like the truth of the authority of the believer. He doesn't want us getting a hold of these truths because he knows it. Once you understand your authority, his heydays in your life are over. Once you know your authority, that's it. He's done for. And he knows that pretty good. So he tries to obscure this knowledge 
from Christians. And the moment you begin to see it, he tries to fight you from entering into this realm. Tries to fight you. He'll bring up challenges. He'll bring up tests. He'll bring up trials. Well, we went on to talk about the fact that we are seated with Christ. Ephesians 1 from verse 19, he says, According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. See, the power that's at work towards us is according to the working of God's mighty power that was worked in Christ. The mightiest act of God, the mightiest work of God ever was in raising Jesus from the dead. And the power that raised him from the dead is the power that backs our authority. Amen. And then we also said that he's been raised from the dead and he's been seated at the right hand of the Father, that that's the basis of our authority. And let's look again, Ephesians 1. Look at from verse... 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power? To us, word who believe. To us, word who believe. To us, word who believe. The exceeding greatness of God's power is towards us, towards the believer, it's towards the church, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. When you talk about the right hand of a king, that's the, or the right hand of the pope, that's the highest position where that kingdom is concerned. Amen. God has delegated everything to his son. He said to Jesus, said, sit on my right hand, Hebrews 1.13, till I make thine enemies thy footstool. Now, who are the people make, going to make his enemies his footstool? It's the church. Jesus is the head. We are the body. Jesus has done everything he's ever going to do about the devil until the angel comes and takes him to the bottomless pit, the 1,000 years, the millennial reign, and so on. God has done everything he's ever going to do about the devil. We are the ones who are to do something about him now. Amen. Because we've got authority over him. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above if you had just said above you'll have been good enough but it's even f- above above is far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church or if you like and gave him to be the head to the church over all things which is his body the fullness of him that feeleth all in all so the church is the body he gave jesus to be head over all things for the benefit of the church which is his body he put all the hosts of darkness beneath his feet put all things under his feet he gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body now your feet are not in your head your feet are a part of your body All the hosts of darkness are beneath the feet of Jesus. That means all the hosts of darkness, all the forces of evil are beneath the church. The devil is beneath our feet. The devil is beneath your feet. Sickness is beneath your feet. Poverty is beneath your feet. Sin is beneath your feet. Failure is beneath your feet. Demonic activity is beneath your feet. Yeah. That's not a prayer, it's a fact. It's beneath your feet. 
So they need our feet. They need our feet. That's why Luke 10, 19, he said, Behold, I give unto you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the ability of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's why Psalm 91 verse 13 said, You'll tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the dragon, you will trample on their feet. Talking about the forces of evil. We are to tread on the devil. We are to walk in triumph over him. We are to walk in dominion over him. Why? Because we have the authority. We have the authority. Yes, there are forces arrayed against us. Yes, we've got an opponent. We've got an adversary. There's a devil. He's a mean devil. He walks about. He's looking for who to devour, but it's not going to be me. Because I won't let him. Why? I have authority over him. I have authority over him. I have authority over him. Is there demoniacal power? Definitely there is. Are there demons and evil spirits? Yeah, they do exist. Uh, do they do stuff and no stuff? Yes, they do. But I'm not scared of them in the least. Why? Because they are beneath my feet. And they are beneath your feet. Because we are members of the body of Christ. The feet are in the body. God put all those forces far beneath his feet. Far beneath his feet. So you don't have to be scared of the witch in the village. You don't have to be. You don't have to run from your hometown because there are some people who have juju. Let them have their juju. Let's even hope their juju works. Let's even hope he's real one. The greater one lives in us. 1 John 4, 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The greater one lives in you. He's bigger than the devil. He's bigger than tests and trials. He's bigger than adverse circumstances. He's bigger than sickness. He's bigger than poverty. He's bigger than failure. He's bigger than lack. And he's on the inside of you. He's on the inside of you. So you don't have to be afraid of anything. You don't have to be afraid of any force. You are fortified from within. You are fortified from within. Oh, people say, there's this thing, this cause. It runs in my family. It runs in my lineage. Eh, nobody ever succeeds. Nobody ever drives car. Nobody ever uh, lives beyond this age. Nobody ever... Look, you are not nobody. You are somebody. That may be true for nobody. But you are not part of that nobody. You are in Christ now. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. It's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Amen. So the devil is beneath our feet. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. We are seated with him. Take your place there. Take your place in Christ. Exercise your throne rights. Exercise the authority that being seated confers upon you. Are you listening to me? Exercise the authority. Exercise the authority. Exercise the authority. Shortly after I got married, some years back, um, some of my, uh, an in-law of mine, my wife's side, uh, something happened the car got stolen, you know. When it did, they told me about it. You know what I did? I remembered my authority. 
I'm a part of this family now. Some things don't happen around me. Some things don't happen where I'm involved. So I told them, in the name of Jesus, I said they'll find the kind in matter of days, which happened. They got it a few days after. Amen. Why could I say that? Why could I be so sure about that? Because I understand my authority. Because I understand my authority. See, whatever we permit on earth, heaven will permit. Whatever we disallow, heaven will disallow. We've got more authority than we've imagined we had. We have. We have authority over the devil. We have authority over his wiles. We have authority over his forces. We have authority over his forces. We do. We do. While John Lake was in South Africa, something happened to him one time. There was this guy. The guy was... Uh, now, John Lake was a big man, was big, huge. John Lake said he had never seen anybody that big, as big as that guy in his life. Now, the guy had lost his mind. He was violently insane, violently insane. So what they did was that they locked him up in a room. He was locked up in a room. Now, the woman of the house had the key to the room the man was locked up in. John Lake got there, and um, he wanted to get in the room, and the lady said no. I can't let you go in that room. He's going to break your bones. He's violent. and violently insane at that. And while she was saying that, Lake put his hand right inside the bag. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going in there. And she, all right. She got the key for him. He took the key. He opened the door. After opening the door, you know what he did? He got inside the room. He locked the door back. And after locking the door back, you know what next he did? He threw the key out. Yeah. He said when he saw that fellow, the guy was massive in the natural. He was huge. Let's leave the fact that he's demonized. He was big. Now, here is a big fellow empowered by demon power. He said the devil in him spoke up and said, I'll break every bone in your body. And he very much looked like he could. Lake said, he remembered 1 John 4, 4, year of God, little children, and I've overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So he said he just began to take one step and get closer to the man and take another step and get closer to the man and take another step and get closer to the man until he got right to where the man was. When he got there, he looked into the man's eyes. You see, your eyes are windows to your soul. He looked into the man's eyes. He said, and the demons that are taking a hold of that man cringed in fear. He held the man. In the name of Jesus, he said, come out of him. Do you know in a few minutes time, two born again, spirit filled, tongue talking people walked out of that room. Amen. What authority over the devil? There was one time, there was this little girl, she had lost her mind frail body in her 20s. They sent a message to Smith Wigglesworth. He got there. When he got to the house, knocked by the door. They opened the door. The father and the mother, they didn't say a word. They just held him, both hands. Took him to the girl's room. As soon as he got there, four grown men were holding this little girl, holding, pinning her down. As soon as she saw Wigglesworth with the blazing eyes, blazing eyes, <laughs> she threw the four of them away like you were playing with, you know, the way 
you play with a small child. She just threw four hefty men. <laughs> like film trick. <laughs> I thought it was a Chinese film or something. You know, she just, she threw them away. <laughs> with blazing eyes, said to Wigglesworth, you can't cast me out. <laughs> Wigglesworth said he remembered first John 4, 4. God lives in me. Jesus lives in me. He replied, he said, but Jesus can. And he's in me. Come out in the name of Jesus. 37 devils came out of her and they gave their names as they left. Instantly she was set free. We have authority in these areas that we need to be aware of. More authority than we have imagined. More authority than we have imagined. More authority than we have thought we had. One time I was in India. One of the times I was there, there was this girl, apparently in her 20s. She had lost it, as in lost it, lost it, lost it. They used to chain her, yeah, because she was violent. But you know something? The Bible says the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. What did I do? I just began to put out that word. I just began to put out that word. You know, she was delivered in an instant. Amen. The name of Jesus did it. The name of Jesus did it. Because the power is in the name. The authority is in the name. Amen. I'm not the one who does it. It's Jesus. It's his name. It's his authority. It's his authority. It is like a key. The key opens the door. In a sense, you are the one that opened the door. But in another sense, you didn't open it. The key did. If anybody anywhere will get the same key and put it in and turn it or open. So the key is what gets the job done. You don't have to be afraid of the devil. You don't have to be afraid of his wiles. It's the name that gets the job done. The power is in the name. The authority is in the name. All we need to do is to use the name. Turn the name loose on the devil. Turn the name loose on his forces. Amen. And he will bow the knee. He will bow the knee. So, all this just by way of recapping and trying to add some more. So we are seated with Christ. We are reason with him. We've got authority over the devil. We need to know that authority. Something might be yours and you don't know it's yours. Then you can't use it. Something can be yours and you know it's yours. But you don't act on what you know. It's of no good to you either. We have authority in Christ. It's part of our inheritance as saints in the light. We need to be aware of that authority. We need to know it, not just in our heads, but in our hearts. Amen. Amen. Don't try it. I've heard people say, I'm going to try that. Don't try it. Do it. Do it. Remember one man I met one time. I stood before the man. Actually, the man came where I was. He had something in his hands. He was trying to use it to divine. And um, I just felt insulted. You don't come in my presence and start doing that kind of stuff. So under my breath, I just said in the name of Jesus. The thing he was holding just started spinning uncontrollably. <laughs> he said, something is the matter with this thing today. I laughed. I'm the something that was the matter with it. <laughs> One day I went with my dad, went to eat somewhere. And then we witnessed something. The lady that owned the restaurant, she, there was, this happened in Ibadan. There was this um, man who had come to supply her meat or supply her, I think it was meat. 
And then she was meant to pay the man. And then they now had like an argument between them. And she didn't want to give him that money. You know, I don't know the details of the matter. So she had some of these money belts on her, which had money in it. So the man was dragging to collect the money. And the woman said, no, I'm not paying you any money now. Something like that. I don't know the details of it. So you know what the man did? After he had tried and tried and tried and she wasn't bulging, he just stopped. I watched it. My dad watched it too. He brought out his palm and we could see his lips were moving. So he was saying something. When he finished saying what he was saying, he touched the woman's money pouch, the belt. And once he did, he left. You know what happened? The money disappeared from the money belt. I was there. I saw it. As soon as it happened, you know, I was with my dad. I told my dad, I said, I'm going to do something now. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do something now. The devil doesn't act up in my presence. Mm -mm. Just because I'm here. Eh? I don't know the details of the story. I don't know who was right or who was wrong. But demoniacal power doesn't act up where I am. I said, you should watch what I will do. That I'm going to reverse it. I'm going to cost that money to come back from where it went. My dad was watching. And then I said, in the name of Jesus, I break the power of the devil over the, in this situation. Claim back her money for her in Jesus' name. She didn't even know what I did. I didn't say it out loud. My dad went there deliberately the next day to find out what happened. And then he brought me word. He said, you know that money came back just like you said. Amen. I didn't do it. The name did 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 it. I'm not saying, you know, some of these things I'm saying, I'm not saying it. I'm an African. Eh, I, I, I lived here. I've seen these things. I've seen this stuff. And I've also seen the power in the name of Jesus. I've seen that there's no name as big, no God as big as the most high. No high as high as the most high. And that the devil is defeated. You know, sometimes some people brag on the devil. They brag on his powers. They brag on his abilities. Don't do that. With your mouth, you're either going to give God or Satan dominion over you. If you keep talking about the devil, keep talking about the works of the devil, you're opening the door for the devil to show up. Sometimes, you know, I may be out somewhere and then I just see a fight. Two people are trying to fight and it doesn't make sense. And before long, it gets bloody. You know, anytime I see that, I know there are demon spirits behind that stuff. Every single time I'm around a place like that, under my breath, I'll just say, you foul spirits, I take authority over you. You desist in your maneuvers. You stop in your patience in Jesus' name. And you know what always happens? Somehow they'll just set you. You know, the guys who were mad with each other before, they just one of them just say, okay, okay, let me just leave this state now. Uh, this one say, okay, 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 okay. This is it. And then you wonder, but they were going to kill each other. They were at each other's throats some minutes before. You know, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Sometimes people, you know, some people who don't control their temper, it's an easy way for demons to influence you. For the devil to influence you. See people, they will say, I didn't know when I did it. I didn't know when I did it. And then they'll be shocked. They'll be shocked. <sighs> I know a lady who was said to have been so angry 
Well, because this is a taster session, and I'm on, uh, it'll go out. In case, the, I don't know where it will go to. Better be careful about saying this story. It happened, a real life story. What someone did in a rage of anger. Amen. You shouldn't yield to the enemy. We can take authority over him. Your housewife, your husband comes in, he starts acting up, he wants to beat you, he's getting... Now, of course, you know, a soft answer turns away wrath. You know, many times... Now, there's no excuse for a man to beat up his wife. Any man that beats up his wife, I won't tell you what I feel like calling him. I'll just let the love of Christ constrain me. <laughs> but it's a most animalistic behavior. If he, if he really wants to fight, he should go and fight outside. Look for someone his size and go fight them. Not his wife. Not his wife. Anybody that lifts up his hand to a woman is not a man. He's a coward. He's a coward. It's a boy. A small boy at that. A very small boy. Real men don't fight women. They don't lift their hands to women. But... You know, and then sometimes some women that get beaten, they called for it. Yeah. Oh, it's true. They call for it. Their mouth start running like a water faucet. You can see he's getting angry. You can see he's getting angry. He can't talk like you can talk. And then you're just going pop, 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 And then he feels he must have an equalizer. He can't talk like that. So what can he do? He can he has hands. Whoa. Now I'm not talking about that kind of a situation. I'm not talking about you provoking him. But your husband just comes home and he's just acting up. And he's getting violent. He's just acting up, angry, and about to start misbehaving and ranting and raving. Anytime you see that, take authority over the devil in the situation. In a church. If you see somebody who ever starts acting in a way that is embarrassing a local assembly, the person is motivated by wrong spirits. Take authority over those demons. Take authority over the devil that's behind the situation. Many times we've been trying to wrestle with flesh and blood. When it was a spirit behind the situation, and we're meant to deal with those unseen forces behind the scenes. Amen. God authority. God authority. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Let me just pause here and say this. Now, you know, the Bible says we are not to be strong in ourselves. We are to be strong in the Lord and also in the power of his might. In the power of his might. We are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Then it tells us about the armor of God and the fact that we need to put on that armor we need to put on that armor. We need to have our armor in place. Now, I'm not talking about you trying to go head to head with the devil. I'm not talking about you just trying to look for Satan somewhere. That's not what I'm talking about. You know? That's not what I'm talking about. Don't go look for trouble. But if trouble comes your doorstep, wait it off. Amen. 
you can't go out just casting devils out of the on the road. Supposing the person wants the devil in his life, you can't cast it out. You can't. You can't. If he wants that devil, he's got to have his devil. Yeah. You don't have authority over his will. He's a free moral agent. If he wants the devil, he has his devil. But if he wants to get delivered, you can help him. Amen. So, there's the armor we're to put on. Why do we need that armor? So we can remain undefeated. So that we can be protected against the wiles of the enemy. So that we can be able to stand against all his forces. You now notice that the Bible talks about principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. That's actually the hierarchy of demons. The lowest class of demons are the principalities. If you check the Greek word, you'll find that principalities, that, if you check it in the Greek, you'll see that. Brother Higgins said in 1952, December, when Jesus appeared to him and said, I want to teach you about the devil, demons, and demon possession, he told him some of these things I'm also saying. Amen. In actual fact, I learned it from him. But then, I checked it out in the Greek too, and I found out that that's the hierarchy. The lowest class of demons are the principalities. Then there are the powers. Then there are the rulers of the darkness of this world. It's the rulers of the darkness of this world that possess people. Now, only one spirit possesses a man. Then that demon can now open the door for other spirits to come in. But only one actually does the possession. Then the Bible talks about spiritual wickedness in high places. Or like the margin reads, wicked spirits in the heavenlies. You know there are three heavens. There's the atmospheric heaven. There's the stellar heaven. And then there's the heaven of heavens, the third heavens. Where paradise is. Where God's throne is. Now in this atmospheric heaven about us, there are evil spirits. Wicked spirits in the heavenlies. Remember when Daniel prayed and then um, the angel came with the answer. But the prince of Persia withstood the answer. Remember that? Remember the Bible talks about the king of Tyros and the prince of Tyros. Look, there's a double kingdom system. There are forces that endeavor to influence things on the earth. That's what the Bible tells us to pray for our leaders. There are forces that tend to control those people that want unrighteousness done, that want evil done. There are those forces. Amen. There are those four classes of demons. But you know what? We've got authority over all of them. And we're told to put on that armor. Verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Battle position against the devil is to stand. It's to stand. We stand against him. We stand against him. Yes, we're an army. But we're not a militating army. Militating with the devil. No. We're an occupational army. Jesus said in Luke 19, 13, Occupy till I come. He's already defeated the devil. We're just going to mop out on the victory. We're just going to take the spoils of the war. We're just going to enforce and take advantage of the victory that already belongs to us. And what's the position that we need to be in to be able to do that? We need to stand. We need to withstand. That's our battle position, to stand. Amen. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Now, what are the pieces of that armor that God's word tells us about? It says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having your loins girt about with truth. 
That's the first piece of the armor, the girdle of truth. The girdle of truth. Now, the analogy here is like a, a Roman soldier putting on his stuff. There's that girdle of truth that helps, or that girdle, a, a belt that he uses. What does that belt do? It helps to keep other pieces of the armor in place. In the same way, our girdle of truth, it represents a clear-cut understanding of the word of God. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by thy truth, thy word is truth. So we need to have a clear-cut understanding of God's word, which helps us keep our entire armor in place. Amen. Amen. Having your loins girt about the truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. There's the breastplate of righteousness. What does that breastplate of righteousness represent? Now, 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.30, But of him are ye in Christ, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Amen. And redemption. So Jesus is made unto us righteousness. That breastplate of righteousness has a twofold meaning. First, it means that we put on Christ and he's our righteousness. Because you are in Christ, you are the righteousness of God in him. Our past is remitted. Our sins are forgiven. We stand in the presence of God without a consciousness of sin, of guilt, or inferiority. Because the blood of Jesus makes us righteous. We need to understand that. If you don't understand you are the righteousness of God, the devil will bring condemnation to you. He'll tell you, you think I exercise authority over me. Remember, you messed up here, you messed up there, you did, did this wrong, you did the other wrong. If the devil tells you that, tell him, well, the fellow who did all that has passed away. I'm a new creature. Hallelujah. Something that happened before you got saved. You're a new man. You're not the one that did it. You're a new person. Well, what if it's something that happened after you had gotten born again? Yes, you did it. You did it. But thank God, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The moment you asked God to forgive you, he forgave you and he forgot about it and he even forgot that he forgave you. He forgot it ever happened. Isaiah 43, 25, he said, I, even I, am he that blotted out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thine iniquities. Will not remember thine iniquities. Micah 7.19, I will cast their sins into the depths of the sea. Hebrews 8.13, their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Just remember it. Amen. He's forgiven you. He's forgotten it happened. So walk on in fellowship with God. Romans 8.1 says, there's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Don't walk after your senses. If you walk after your physical senses, you walk in condemnation. But walk after your spirit. Walk according to God's word. If you straighten it out with him, he's forgotten it ever happened. Amen. So you see, you put on Christ and he's our righteousness. Now the second meaning of that breastplate of righteousness is our active obedience to God's word. Our active obedience to God's word acts as a breastplate. It protects one's heart. Amen. The breastplate of righteousness. Verse 15 says, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You see, the shoes of peace. What does that mean? That's a faithful ministry in proclaiming God's word. 
Remember, the Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the glad tidings. A faithful ministry in proclaiming God's word, in bringing forth the good news, in sharing the truth of God's word. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith we shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. That's faith in the blood of Jesus. Amen. The shield of faith. The shield of faith. So when the devil comes with his darts, his fiery darts, you can wake them off. Amen. A shield. A shield. Praise God. Verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation. First Thessalonians 5.8 calls this helmet of salvation. says, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Thank God for the blessed hope that we have. The hope of Jesus' soon return. The Bible says he that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he's pure. It's a purifying hope. The hope of the rapture of the saints. The resurrection of, the, of those who have uh, uh, slept in Christ. The soon return of Jesus. Amen. Our eternal bliss with him. That's a blessed hope. And it's a helmet. It protects the head. Especially in these days when there's a lot of assault against one's mind. Thank God for that blessed hope that we have. The helmet of salvation. And notice verse 17. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, all the other pieces of the armor are defensive. The girdle of truth. The breastplate of righteousness, the, the, the feet, short preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith. All the other pieces are for protection. But there's only one piece of the weapon that is offensive. The others are defensive. What's that offensive weapon? The sword of the spirit. Why is he called the sword of the spirit? What does he mean, sword of the spirit? Spirit there could mean two things. First, the sword of the recreated human spirit. Because it's your spirit that wields that sword. Amen. Praise God. But you see, it's also the sword of the Holy Ghost. In the sense that the word of God is given by the spirit of God. Amen. The word of God. When the Bible says the word of God, the Greek word for word of God there is rhema. And it's the spoken word of God. When the devil comes at you, you speak God's word to him. That's our weapon with which we assault him, with which we attack him. The spoken word of God. The word of God conceived in the heart, firmed with the tongue, and spoken with the mouth. Like Charles Capps calls it, he says it's creative power. So you speak God's word. When the devil tempted Jesus, what did Jesus do? Told the devil, it is written. And he told him what is written. Then the devil came again and then he told him again, it is written. And he told him what is written. The devil came a third time and said, it is written. Amen. You need to know what is written. And you need to tell the devil what is written. Charles Scarp said one time he was praying, at least so he thought. He said, the Lord asked him, what are you doing? He said, I'm praying. The Lord said, no, you're not. You're complaining. You're not praying. He said, the Lord told him, I'm tired of hearing you tell me what the devil said. Why don't you start telling the devil what I said? Stop quoting the devil to me. Quote me to the devil. Tell the devil what my word says. See, that's our offensive weapon. That's our offensive weapon. Weld your sword. Now, I humorously like to say is because um, in this time they understood Roman soldiers and all that. If this had been written in modern day, probably would have been said as the bazooka of the spirit <laughs> or the gun of the spirit, the AK-47 of the spirit, the nuclear weapon, the nuclear bomb of the spirit. 
Praise God. That's our weapon. That's our weapon. Get acquainted with God's word. And when the devil comes, you hit him with the word of God. You hit him with the word of God. Amen. And then finally, verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now that you have the armor in place, you are ready for the prayer fight. Amen. You are ready to enter into prayer. Praise the Lord. And to walk in triumph over the forces of hell. Praise God. You see, we have weapons at our disposal. We have an arsenal at our disposal. Arsenals, in fact. We need to know what they are. And we need to take them up. We need to have our armor in place and then stand against the devil. Stand against his wiles. Stand against his own slots. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now, what does that mean? Though we walk in the flesh. I thought Galatians 5.16 says, This I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the loss of the flesh. Now, both places are talking in two different contexts. Though we walk in the flesh, 2 Corinthians 10.3, we do not walk after the flesh. He's saying, for instance, you had to wear clothes today to come to class, didn't you? It wasn't spiritual clothes, it was some physical clothes. You had to brush your teeth this morning, or at least I hope you did. <laughs> you have to have your bath today. Amen. You drove a car or you were driven in a car. Otherwise, you trekked. So, we live in a natural world. We walk in a natural world. So, he's saying, though we walk in the natural, our warfare is not after the natural. Verse 4 says, for the weapons of our warfare are not canal. They are not physical things. They are not material things. Amen. They are mighty, 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 mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You see, yes, we have been made new creatures in Christ. Created by God in Christ Jesus. Yes, we have been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. But you see, we still live in a world where the devil is God. The very atmosphere about us is filled with hostile forces that will attempt to deprive us of our usefulness in the master's service and destroy our fellowship with the Father. For this very reason, God has given us certain pieces of equipment, certain arsenals to use in confronting the devil. You see, we have the name of Jesus. We have the name of Jesus. And there's power in that name. There's authority in that name. There's dominion in that name. In John 14, 12, Jesus said, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do. Why? Because I go to my Father. Verse 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's not prayer. John 16, 23 and 24 is talking about prayer. But John 14, 13 and 14 is not prayer. The word ask there is the Greek word aetio. It means to demand as your rights. It means to demand as due. P.C. Nelson was, um, when he died, there was one um, uh, um, newspaper report that said P.C. Nelson from Fort Worth, Texas, dead. Number one authority in the Greek language in the United States. So he was an outstanding Greek scholar. Somebody asked him one time, how many languages does he know? Guess what his response was? He said, not any yet. Then someone reframed that question and said, how many languages can you read and write in? He said, 32. My God, that guy has me beat by 32. 
can hardly speak and write in any. Well, he said that there are certain idiomatic expressions in the Greek language that cannot be properly translated in English. He said, and one of such places is in this place, that where he said, if you will ask anything in my name, I will do it, that a literal Greek says, if I don't have it, I will make it for you. If I don't have it, I will make it for you. What do you need? What do you need? What's the test? What's the trial? What's the challenge? What's that right that the enemy is trying to deprive you of? You can demand your rights. You can insist on your rights. You can take authority over that situation and enforce your victory. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Ten minutes. Break. For more information and inquiries, please visit our website www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100163948 or 08076576163.